Each Sunday night, I'd watch the practice with none of my friends. I'd turn the dial to ABC to see the creep of the week that Bobby Donald defends. But I'm out of practice. With your host, Keith Barney. Bird, Mike and Neglio. Way back in high school, most every night, my mom watched QVC, so I missed the practice. There was no TiVo, what could I do? Wait 15 years, get fat, then stream it on Hulu. Let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Blowing up the internet with our sweet, sweet choreo. Out of practice. And welcome to the Out of Practice podcast, a weekly podcast in which I and Mike discuss David E. Kelly's award-winning series, The Practice. This week, we are up to season five, episode 18, The Confession. And I have a confession today. I am so excited for this segment. Weather. Can you tell me the weather? An extraneous bumper these days. We all need to know. Was it hot or did it snow? I sure hope so. Yeah, it's snowing here now, Keith. Weather begun from right freaking now. If you are watching this out of time, uh, then you don't understand what we're so excited about. But we are so excited about the fact that it is, uh, we're recording this on January 31st, 2021 on the East Coast, and we are about to get hit with some snow. I'm so excited. Jillian is so excited. We, last year in the New York City area, we got 4.8 inches total of snow, which breaks my poor Vermonter's heart. Mm. Uh, but today, we're supposed to be getting somewhere between 10 and 20 inches uh, in this storm, and we can't wait. I am here for it. I am watching the snow start to fall onto uh, my basement-like window cover, so I can I can see it happening right in front of me. I'm very excited. What's what's the snow like going to be like in Philly? Well, it's already begun, I should say. Uh I don't want to dampen, uh, well, you know, I'll get to that in a moment. Uh, let's start with the good news. So, yes, the last snowstorm we had here was sort of like, meh. Uh, I think I told on the told the story on the pod how I was, like, forced into manual labor for all of my elderly neighbors. Uh, oh, fun. Sh- shoveling them out. Yeah, it was fun until I was finished. Literally, no exaggeration, which I'm prone to, I admit. Uh, what? The second I finished shoveling out, like, six or seven neighbors— a fleet of teenagers that get hired that was hired by the community that comes in came and was shoveling everybody out. And I was like, oh. So I learned and they my were lesson. So pissed. I've changed because my... you like stole all their tips. No, they don't get tipped. They're paid out by the community. So I literally just wasted oh. my time. Uh, oh but wow. I guess I earned brownie points. So you earned brownie points, and it's it's good for you know us men of a certain age to get some exercise. Yeah, that's well said. I almost had a heart attack. 
So, you know, we did all the things that you do. We 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 moved the cars to a uh, to a non-reserved spot, both of our little cars here, so that when they come and plow out the spots tomorrow or the next day, oh, we can just move the cars. Be... We got some salt to put underneath the tires, we put the windshield wipers up, we did the whole all the preparation. Here's the yeah. thing. Uh, hopefully our maybe our our depending on how old you are, or maybe it's, you know, I feel like maybe it's ubiquitous, our listeners. There's something about the snowstorms. I think it goes back to growing up on the East Coast and you might get out of school. There's something exciting about the impending getting snowed in. We have Girl oh, so Scout cookies. Exciting. We've got French toast stuff. We've got mimosa gear. I mean, we are ready. And I hope that it, it could be anywhere here. It's anywhere between five and eight inches today and seven mm-hmm. and 12 inches tomorrow. So, yeah. You know, could be a lot, could be just a little bit, but I hope it's something. No, we're, we are so excited. And uh, yeah, no, we're, I mean, this will be our first big snowstorm in the new house. Now, the car is now in Keith, the driveway. I need to, I need to put it, I hate to put it out there in the universe, but. Okay, all right. Are we confident that the basement, if you get 20 inches of snow and there's, and there's snow melt, are we confident that you will make it? Well, Funny you say that uh, because I texted you guys earlier this week because we had our first uh, house disaster, sort of, um, which was uh, quite, honestly, it was like, oh God, what's going to happen? We actually did flood our basement this week, although it was not rain or snow. It was because we uh, we had an old washer that the homeowners had given us the heads up that was a little wonky. And I think one of the shocks had gotten goofy. And so it would, it would overspin or just get imbalanced and like knock stuff around. And so we just like put it on really low. Like we knew we were going to have to buy a new one. We just didn't want to do it like right away. Unfortunately, it spun itself out and broke the shutoff valve for the water. So we were running it and the water started to fill it and it filled it all the way up. And then it just kept going and going and never uh, never stopped. And I came down, it was Sunday and, uh, came down the stairs to turn off the TV. And I'm like, why does the carpet look glossy? <laughs> well, it looked glossy because it was underwater. And so we had, I don't know, two or three inches of water on part of the basement. So that was a nightmare. And so we spent Sunday night, like shoveling out water and, uh, this Beautiful carpet I put down, which is all of those sort of carpet square dealies. About 25% of it got wet, so I had to pull out all of the carpet, and we were drying. I had an old box of uh, duplicate playbills. Um, some of them were pretty cool, and like some of them were like personal, and like, oh, it was so depressing to have to just, like try and dry them out. Anyway, long story short, we got it all sorted. We got everything dried out. I replaced the pieces of the carpet that died. And we replaced the washer. So all is now as if it hadn't happened. But that was quite the uh, like, oh, shit. (laughs) It was the first true oh, shit moment of home ownership. But speaking of home ownership, at least all the the work and the sort of effort that went into that remedying that situation was for your home. You know what I mean? It wasn't just a random apartment that you really shouldn't give a shit about. Yeah, no, and and it was it was actually it was okay. Like I was definitely like existentially upset by it for a second because like my perfect precious thing got fucked up and 
you couldn't really anticipate it. And I spent the, and of course, like I had to like turn off the, you know, the shutoff valves of the water and they clearly hadn't turned that off in years. And so I like, I, it for, it wouldn't shut off for a while. And I had to get like a wrench and like, oh, I was, it was, it, we had like five minutes of like sheer panic, but all is good. I'm hoping that we don't have any water dealing with the snow, we, but I'll tell you what we did. Uh, I did get on the uh, getting estimates on getting a roof replaced. So, um, we're, cause it's like buying well, we another that, house. <laughs> I, I know. Well, we, we knew that was going to be a part of the deal. And, and so we, we've set money aside for it. Uh, but yeah, so we had to like, got some hardcore adulting done this, uh, this week. So that was, uh, that was something. Can I, can I tell a random non sequitur story? We're out of the weather issue. I just, I, is, is there anything that hasn't been a random non sequitur right, on this entire right. podcast? I just had an experience yesterday, which was like, so nerdy, awesome that I, I need to share with you because I think you will specifically understand and, and our audience. Of okay. Course. So, um, I, I think I'd mentioned I have a friend at Facebook who uh, got me an Oculus 2 Quest, uh, Oculus Quest oh. 2, the virtual reality headset. Have I mentioned that? Uh, you've mentioned it vaguely. I didn't know that you got it through a friend at Facebook. Yeah. Where's uh, mine? You can borrow mine. Um, yeah, it was pretty cool because I thought it was, I was just like, uh, like it was a review, like an advanced review copy, but I get to keep it. So it's even more random. Oh, hell now. yeah. So anyway, uh, but that's not, that doesn't, non sequitur. Or not, uh, that's not important, I should say. So uh, my my brother-in-law and my sister and their two kids uh, had jokingly said to us when we first moved here that they are prone to pop-ins. And especially during COVID, like that's obviously, obviously they're joking, right? Well, <laughs> They did a pop-in yesterday, which, you know, it's cool. Oh. We, we all put our masks on. It was it was fine. They've been inoculated. Uh, so, you know, I let them up. And I am doing right now uh, through SeizeTheShow.com a, a, a virtual escape room where it takes place in space and whatever. So I have, uh, I was getting ready for a show and I was wearing this orange space suit. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's- As that's one a, does. That's important to note. So- they were like, hey, can we try the VR headset? And in my brain, I'm like, oh man, I'm gonna have to really disinfect this thing. But what am I gonna be a be a, a dick? So I was like, yeah, sure. So I would have locked the door. I would have locked the door and gotten the hose <laughs> if somebody drops in on me. <laughs> so, so, you know, just calibrate at that. I was trying to think of like experiences in, in VR that wouldn't make them puke as their sort of like first VR thing. So I pulled up Google Google Earth VR, which Keith, I can't wait till we can hang out again because it will blow your goddamn mind. Uh, by mm. now, the t- the telemetry uh, drones have basically 3D mapped the Earth. So it's not just like static Google flat 2D images. It's 3D modeled. So yeah, I went to can... my house where I grew up, and I flew in because you can fly now. I can't even explain to you how real it is. You can zoom into the window where you grew up. Your ha- There's your house. And then you can fly into space. But it's not just like a- a- an illusion of that. It is legitimately happening because you can set your camera to to humans to to human scale so i can't even explain it you have to experience oh that's it. so cool so I well i can't wait to try it so what i did was i put my little nephew who is uh four years old into the helmet right and i had it zoomed into my bedroom where i grew up and i told a story to him and i was con- controlling because i had it beaming on the television too so i, could, I, had, oh, cool, I had the cool, remote yeah. and i was like so this is where uncle mike used to sleep and he used to dream about one day when he'd be able to fly. And then I slowly zoomed outside the window. <laughs> and I said, and he wanted to go into space. And I flew us up into space. 
and his mind was blown. And so it was cool, it was a great experience, and I'm, I go to do my show, and at my sister's driving away, she sends me a text message, and she goes, uh, Uncle Mike, uh, JJ is keeps saying that Uncle Mike had to go to work because he is an astronaut, and I hope that one day we can go to space with him. So my nephew now believes, because I was able to fly him into space, and I was wearing an orange jumpsuit, that through the magic of VR, I am now legitimately in his brain an astronaut. Obviously. And, I, I hope that that lasts for a few years because he doesn't know I'm just a, a broke son of a bitch who, <laughs> who is not well, an if, astronaut. That's amazing. Well, awesome. if it makes you feel any better, my nephew uh, once was 100% convinced, and you're going to like this. I'm glad you I'm glad you finished your spit take. Was that, I that oh, Uncle Keith is a gymnast. <laughs> <laughs> he can do flips yeah, he and all sorts of stuff. Uh, Where did that come from? I have no idea. We've played the fart song for everybody, right? Yeah, I'm sure we have. I'm sure. I'm sure we have. Uh, I, in fact, I think we got the first one live on the air. Not, oh, not the, right. his initial song. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, anyway. Yeah. So you know what? Technology isn't just watching old television shows. With the the future's happening too, which is cool. No. Well, I mean, we're also producing a, uh, a, a basically our own TV show live broadcasting yeah. from multiple locations. So, sure. I mean, technically, if we, like, YouTube lived this, it could pretty much just be as is now. We could actually just throw it up live. That's We're not action. going to. No, I was like, uh, you know what? This is enough. <laughs> I do feel like I'm launching SpaceX every week, so it's it's oh, this is quite enough. For sure. All right, well, let's stop talking about our nonsense, and let's talk about your nonsense with a uh, segment we call... Now, I'm going to preface this with uh, just warning everybody that we may have a breaking news filing and subpoena that is coming in. We have uh, we have been promised something from uh, founding sponsor Jorge Naboa, and he apparently is cramming on it right now, finishing up. <laughs> so if it comes in while we're broadcasting, we will put it in. But if not, don't worry. We will definitely play Jorge's thing next week. I don't know what it is, but I'm super excited about it. Meanwhile, we, of course, have heard from our moderator, Phoenix, who has a lot to say on uh, YouTube. So here's what he had to say. First off, he said, hey, Keith, congrats on getting the job. Can't wait to hear all about it. Uh, actually, this... I don't know that we can I, call it a job. Well, a, a, it wasn't a job because I wasn't being paid, and B, it's not a new job. Uh, Mike was talking about the uh, the retro tech show where I was the Star Trek expert. Uh, so that was it was an old job, but uh, but it, I guess it's still new because it hasn't been broadcast yet. So I I haven't seen it. Uh, he also continues to say, Mike, I can name another Steven Seagal movie. Because at eight years old, I got to see it being filmed on the street in L.A. I watched a stuntman crash through the front door of a window as another guy ran up and pulled a woman out of the way. The movie was eventually called Hard to Kill. And after getting to see that, I met Steven Seagal. I guess the point of the story was that my dad had just a little more pull with him than wow. yours. Wow. Wow. No, wait. The point was actually that the, the list of weird things we have in common keeps growing. 
Last week, it was orthostatic hypotension. And now this, uh, yeah, it's really crazy. Uh, all right, so he continues talking about last episode, which is What Child Is This?, which was the episode that Mike guessed perfectly. It was the other daughter. He says, I was certain of who the killer was. Oh, I got big. <laughs> Giant Keith. Where, where Giant am I? Giant oh, Keith. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. No, you're going to fix it, and then it's going to fix itself, and then I'm going to be tiny. There Normal I am. <laughs> Keith. Normal Keith. Uh, anyway, Phoenix says, I was certain of who the killer was early, very early on. For me, the casting gave it away. Jeanette Brocks played a number of one-off nefarious sociopathic characters, mm -hmm. so I saw it coming from a mile away. Mike, I have no idea how you predicted the entire ending, but maybe you saw her in the same shows and had a subconscious influence. That's maybe. a really good... I don't think I saw I saw her in other things. Uh, I'll have to I'll have to look it up and see. Uh, you know what? I'm not going to look it up. Phoenix, tell us what shows you were referring to, and then we'll we'll track it down. He also says the mistress didn't. So I I uh, was talking about the mistress being in the courtroom and wondering why she was there, and whether how you know why she agreed to be there as a prop for the defense. He says, the mistress didn't have to be convinced or paid to be in court. She just had to be subpoenaed. If there's any reasonable purpose to have her testify, either side can require her to be in court and then decide on that day whether they want to call her to the stand. That's a good point. I didn't know that. Glad to know it. And, <clears throat> of course, he says, unreconcile is a word. And as Helen said, it's often used in accounting. But again... I am not the official fact checker. I'm just a telling Keith he's wrong enthusiast. <laughs> Jillian, I'm available if you ever need someone to arbitrate a disagreement. Uh, uh, I, I actually read that for Jillian, and uh, she said uh, she she uh, very well may take you up on that. So <laughs> That's what I thought. So Phoenix is now moderator and marriage counselor, marriage referee. He's not counseling anything. He's just telling me I'm wrong. <laughs> so he's basically uh, a marriage participant? Uh, I wouldn't get that far, but, you know, he's <laughs> he, he's uh, he's there, you know, causing excitement in my life. And meanwhile, everything on my screen just closed. All right, hold on. <laughs> I got so confused. All right, well, if you... If you would like to join the legion of people who communicate with us in filings and subpoenas, you can do so by checking out our Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. You can email us directly, send all sorts of fun stuff, send videos, send audio clips, just regular old text at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com, or check out our blog, outofpracticepodcast.blogspot.com. And do us a giant favor. Join the jury. Leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or any other service. Nobody has done it in about five years, and uh, it'd be really helpful to uh, get more folks to listen. All right, we're moving forward with everyone's loudest segment. Wait. Wait. Ready? Ready? Okay. Everyone's loudest segment. Oh, very well done. 
I tried to give you the setup, but no Yeah, dice. yeah, it was just on a different screen. I, I'm getting used to the whole... Do it live! We're thing. doing it live! Yeah. Look at that crop, Keith. We, I got... I'm I'm in a campfire out in the snowy wilderness. You've got all the depth. It's it's really coming together here for the seven it, people it, it, who watch. <laughs> like, literally seven. <laughs> um, Worth it. The YouTube hasn't taken off, but, you know, it really does scratch that narcissism itch. <laughs> I actually, for the, like, for the Easter egg oh, reveal last week, I uh, actually uh, silently rolled, uh, put on, so it showed the, oh, Scrabble, saw the Scrabble board, and then I, like, had the episode bleed in, and I was I was certain that someone would, would flag that, but uh, no, it looks like we, uh, we did all right. Well, luckily, our narcissism is... Uh, are is protected by the fact that nobody but us are paying attention. So yeah, that's fair. Um, fair. So there's a couple of things I've been watching that I wanted to mention, Keith. I don't know if you have any uh, anything you'd like to add. Uh, so I guess I'll start because yeah, definitely. I need to you know come up with something to say. Okay, I'd like to start with something I saw on Hulu. So I've mentioned this to you, Keith. It's called In and of Itself, uh, and I do not want to give much away here. So I'm just going to I'm going to give you the my setup, my my exposure to it and then leave it there. So uh this was a one man show that was running off Broadway and the only real advertisements you would see for it would be like some subway flyers or just just really excellent word of mouth. Uh people talking about this brick, this uh, that made it was totally made no sense. And I just could not find a night. Jen was doing a Fiddler, and I could not find a night where there were tickets where we could both go. And um, so I, I didn't get a chance to see it. It ran f- close to 600 performances, and, and I just didn't get a chance to see it before it closed. I then saw him on the, the, the performer on Colbert, and Colbert was raving about it. And then I heard that it had gotten released on Hulu, a film version of the show, they filmed a collection of episodes, uh, a collection of performances, and made a, a film out of it. So, it, the it, it ostensibly combines three of my favorite things, Keith. Uh, illusionist stuff, magic, if you will. Cool. Though, okay, uh, m- monologues, i.e. the mm-hmm. like well-performed monologue, and uh, existential crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised you didn't put that one first. Yeah, it, I, and that's all I want to say. I, I'll say this. You may not, I personally am really into magic, sleight of hand, illusionist stuff, all that. Uh, you, that may not be your your thing. I understand that. I should say that it is only used here as a, as a device, as a tool, as a storytelling t- device. He says up front, it isn't about it. To me, there is a meta story that is a wrapper to to the magic and to the stories he's telling that is really powerful to men of a certain age, to people, all people, I believe. Now, I, I, you can tell from watching it that the impact of said what what it's really about would be so powerful, much more powerful in person. And somehow through the filmmaking Frank Oz directed, um, I just think they were somehow able to capture 75% of the awe and wonder that one would get in person on film. And you come mm. away asking some um, some really interesting questions. And it's 90 minutes, it's 
in and out, and I can't recommend it higher. Everyone should watch this if you have even a passing interest in self. Great. I, I, I plan to. In fact, Jillian and I, we sat down to watch it, and then I was like, this is far too existential for our level of energy right now. We're going to have to like, come back when we're not uh, exhausted. Which yes. poor Jillian's been working like 70 hours a week at like multiple jobs. So yeah. it's like I just see her occasionally. <laughs> and we, we just live in the same house. <laughs> um, I'm really dismayed by your slight off-syncness today. But um, oh no, it's going to be what it's going to be. So next, Phoenix, we don't get paid. Yeah, uh, I, <laughs> it's something I think I need to update Skype or something. There's an NDI issue. So next is Trial Four. It's been on Netflix for a little while, but this is for all of my true crime buffs out there. The pitch for this is this: this man here, Sean Ellis, was well. It pretty. It's pretty clear, although it never officially shown that he was uh, incorrectly accused of a murder. Uh, the DA to this day says that he is guilty, but nonetheless, he ends up potentially going on trial for the same murder four times. And uh, it's Whoa, about geez. justice and injustice. And as we've talked about on the practice many times, sometimes that DA is just fishing for a conviction for a variety of reasons. And in, in this particular case, it's because uh, the Boston Police Department shocker was a corrupt AF when this what? <laughs> when this racist cops in Boston what took place and they needed a patsy to cover up some of their bullshit and this guy uh, he was in prison for twenty five years so Jesus uh, worth a watch it's it's eight episodes they're hour each so it's it's a bit of a time sink but uh, it really does. It really does earn its keep. So that's... If you're listening to this podcast, clearly time sync is not a problem for you. Fair. And so since those two were a little bit intense, I want to talk about the other thing that I've been watching. I think I've mentioned it on the pod before, but everyone knows I'm a big fan of Big Brother. Uh, And as I think it is almost perfect reality TV, but I forgot to mention, I do know the show that is perfect reality TV, and that is RuPaul's Drag Race. Oh, now, 40-year-old straight white Mike might not be your first pick for marketing pitch for RuPaul's Drag Race, but I should say that I love RuPaul's Drag Race for a variety of reasons. One, I'm really into subculture. I like people who are super nerdy about very specific niche things, clearly. Uh, right, and, sure. Uh, drag culture isn't one thing. Drag culture is very unique and specific to different uh, locations regionally uh, throughout the country right. and over 13 seasons of Drag Race it's on VH1 currently you have seen in the beginning it was just like introducing people to drag and some of the names in drag but over 13 years it's really cultivating this is like the Super Bowl of yeah. drag competition right so now it's not just like random queens it's the best of the best of like yeah, like people who have been in the game for years, and of the up and comers, and it's it's them mentoring each. So here are the ways it checks off perfect reality TV for me. Um, it knows theatric camp. It is camp to the tilt, but at the same time, it's incredible performance. It's incredible fashion. It's incredible uh, uh, improvisation in the moment. These these lip syncs for their lives are insanely incredible. Plus. 
they have over 13 seasons edited out in the beginning when reality TV was all about like, let's just have them be bitchy towards one another and right, be all right. competitive. Meanness. They've realized that that's not what they want to be. And so now it's much more supportive and it's much more empowering. And so it it, it scratches a really uh, inspirational part of, of your psyche, those dopamine receptors, right? And if you are even remotely entertained by just like incredible performance and it's so not a, I, what I've learned about drag is it's not even about the female impersonation part. Um, it's, no. it's, it's a, it's a very specific type of performance that it's, is. It's an art form. It's, it's, an art it's form. a yeah. specific it's performance art form art. In, unto itself. Yeah. Uh, and many, and, and in that art form itself can be broken down to many different sub subsections, uh, the fashion, the, the lip syncing, the, the, the actual performance, so many things. It's well, just yeah. wonderful. And even if you have a passing interest in this or want to learn more about it, I highly recommend it. And RuPaul, at 60 years old, the the puns, the comedy, the empire she has built, it is just mind-numbing what a legend oh, this yeah. person is. So She's also, have you, have you like, have you met her in person? Like she's so. I've tall. never met Rue, no, but I feel like she's a part of my life, so it's it's okay. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I'm not in, I, I'm not entirely sure what pronouns RuPaul uses when out of drag. Yes, and which is I am Un, referring unclear. to her in drag right now. So, in drag. Well, yeah. uh, I, I, you, you should put that graphic back up there because I, I've got some news about Drag Race this season. Because uh, not only do I know one of the contestants, I've kissed one of the contestants this year. Oh, please, t dish. So uh, I- <laughs> Give me the tea, couple, spill some tea, like, Keith. About a year, year and a half ago, I did a production of a show called Take One, uh, which is a, it's a show I've been, I've been doing a while. We did it at the Fringe in New York, and then we just did one out actually in Montclair, New Jersey. Yep. And uh, who played opposite me in that show? But a uh, guy I know as Freddie, uh, it's uh, Olivia Lux. Oh, yeah. Uh, of, of course, um, who is uh, a terrific musician and performer as well. So we actually uh, performed together just a year and a half ago. Like That is amazing. Which is, and it's so funny because like I know Freddie as this like really shy, nice, sweet guy who like, you know, just did some, did, we did some musical theater together. And then, like, and then, sort of between then and now, I've followed uh, the Instagram and and the, the the development of the Olivia Lux character, and watched it right from the very beginning. And I'm like, holy shit, she's beautiful! <laughs> Look at that! And so, uh, anyway, so I was like, I actually haven't watched, <laughs> and I need to, but I'm definitely rooting for her. Yeah, for so, me, it was so I, you know, I went. It was eight weeks on a ship. Uh, with this this guy Jacob, a friend of mine, and they were like, I had heard so much about uh, about Drag Race, and I really did want to watch. And they're like, Well, just so and on a ship, you, there's not much to watch. The the closed circuit TV doesn't really give anything of entertainment value. So right, right. long story short, I watched 12 seasons of RuPaul's Drag Race uh, over a, a eight week period, and one of my uh, friends on the ship happened to know all of these guys uh, and sure, all the backstage yeah. gossip. So I was getting basically the pop-up video version 
And so it added so much extra color. Oh, it, so it, much fun. Yeah, it was. it's really, I, I really adore it. I really just look forward to it every Friday. So uh, we could talk about WandaVision another time, but I just wanted to highlight these three pieces. Yeah. Keith, anything yeah, else well, you want to add to the list? No, I, I, I think that's it. But I, I tell you what, between you and Freddie, it's, it's all of the men I've kissed. Yeah, there you go. There, there it is, there it is. Go. I wish I have a, a bit wider of a list, but um, that's a different <laughs> podcast. Fair enough, fair enough. Okay, well, let us move forward. It is t- finally time. We've, we've, this is going to be a long episode. Uh, it is finally time to hop back into the time machine. And we are going all the way back 19 years ago, uh, 20 years ago, almost, to April 1st, the year 2001. And that brings us to the eternal question. Mike, what was going on? This day in the basement. Well, it turns out... uh... Actually, I think I'm going to use this week to tell a story. I think I'm a little bit early, but I'm going to tell the story quickly. So, Keith, you know this story, and I'm not going to expound on it uh, because it is for a different uh, project we've discussed. So, oh, I love this story. So, my dad uh, climbed out on the roof. Uh, this is, you know, uh, oh, oh, that's a different story. No, no, no. This is the story you think it is, but oh, okay, all right. Uh, I think in in the in the sort of narrative that I'm putting back together in my brain, like Humpty Dumpty. Uh, my dad had broken his wrist and it had kind of become clear that we couldn't just kind of do this anymore. And so he was in the hospital again and uh, it was, you know, things were, it's April 1st, right? So we've got six weeks. So that's about right. He uh, was frustrated with being back in the hospital and with some of the news and stuff. And uh, he had decided that like coming up soon, he was going to go, he was he was given the choice to potentially kind of either stay on dialysis for the rest of his life or he could decide to come off the the dialysis and and decide basically that would be a choice to end his life really um yeah. hadn't made that decision yet but regardless he was he was dealing with it and so he's under a lot of frustration and they had all these tubes and shit into his throat and it just was like a mess and one night he just got really frustrated and just like ripped all this crap out of his mouth and like really screwed up his like larynx and stuff so he was just like basically couldn't talk right now so uh a lot of people were getting word in our family that he i'm had, very like, much regretting having saying that i liked this story before <laughs> yeah 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 no no, no. i it, it, we'll get to the good part so uh, there, me, there is a punchline. yeah let me fast forward so so he's like dealing with like some vocal issues right now. And a lot of my family that like we never hear, from, you know, fair weather family, I should say, is deciding like now's the time we have to go and make peace with, with Joe while he's in the hospital. So a bunch of like family and friends are starting to come visit to like say goodbye, even though he hadn't really made it. It was sort of like uh, uncomfortable in the beginning already because like these people like he's not like he's here. In, in, Right? It's weird. Yeah. But that aside, the point of the story is is that, like, he also can't talk to them right now. So I'm there, and all these people are coming in and, like, and doing what people do where it's, like, really about them. And they're, like, getting, telling stories and getting things off their chest. And uh, one relative, I can't even remember who it was, to be honest, was, like, trying to get him to, like, convert to Jesus or whatever. And... So, oh boy. but the thing is, is that they were coming with the expectation that he was going to like say something or ab- absolve them or whatever. And 
he, as a grown man, uh, who I guess was dealing with mortality, really didn't really have much time of the day for it. <clears throat> but me, as a 16-year-old, or how old was I? 18, 19, who the fuck? What year was this? I'm 20 years old. 20 years old. And right. I'm trying to like, it's uncomfortable for me. First of all, I don't know a lot of these people very well. And also like I'm dealing with a lot. So I decide that I have to somehow give these people what they want. So, Massage this situation. Yeah. So I start like pretending to like lean into him. <laughs> and he's like, rah, 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 whatever. And I'm like translating, like I'm creating entirely inventing what he Complete is responding. Complete utter bullshit. Complete You're just making it up. bullshit, shuffling. But, but not, not like in a side room, right in front of them. They clearly <laughs> can tell that he is just mumbling nonsense and I am, I am translating it to like, you know what, he, he, for, he totally understands and it's not a problem, you know, like, and they are just, okay, they are just taking it, right? Like I'm like yeah you know uh, I think he 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 does believe in Jesus and he's gonna take that and and he really appreciates it and thank you and they're like oh, okay great 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 so we do this for what feels like an entire day and my dad at the end is just like crying and I'm like I feel really guilty because I'm like oh shit he's, he's like he's upset with me I shouldn't have done that like this was a bad call and then he writes on a little notepad he just says funniest thing ever. And it became clear to me that he was laughing at the bullshit I was spilling. It was like pride. And so to this day, I'm like, I feel like I, I'll never get from him that he's proud, uh, mm-hmm. right? But I have that. I have that he that thinks I'm the- funny. So I'm like, that's good enough for me. He's that Clearly, he raised a bullshitter at his level. Yep. And I was like, to this day, I think about that. And I was like, I can, I did, I, since I was 20, I've been spinning these webs. So Well, we was, were... We, it, he <laughs> first told me the story because we were, you know, working on another podcast that we never actually did, but we'll coming there. up with like segment or like episode ideas. And this was like, you know, that moment when my father was the most proud of me. <laughs> <laughs> and it was when you were lying to his family yep. on his deathbed. Yeah. was when he was proudest of you. Oh, I just, I mean, it, my intentions were, were good, so. Oh, I love it. I love right. it. Talk to me, Keith. All right. Yeah, well, I I brought some multimedia because uh, I checked the dates, and uh, the next episode is not till April 21st. So in between this was my recital, my junior recital, and this was the poster that I designed and put up all over the school. And if you remember, this was uh, out when Fox was doing when animals attack when postmen attack when something attacks so it was a it, it was very topical so and that is uh, me stomping on the uh the skyline of Rochester New York and uh you know it's it's hard for me to describe you're just going to have to trust me that this was not what the most of the posters at the Eastman School of Music <laughs> Classical Conservatory looked like <laughs> So people were like, "Who? what the hell? Who is this guy? Anyway, so that was, uh, I put these posters up everywhere for my junior recital. And if you'll note there, uh, when I took that photo in the dorm and, and early photoshopped myself over the skyline, I was not wearing socks in my tuxedo. Do we so, have any AV for this, Keith? Uh, I will next week. Okay. Next episode, I'm, I'm splitting it up. I'm, I'm using my recital for it. So I will, I, I definitely have uh, a recording of some of that. And I will, between this week and next, try to find some of it I am not 
too painfully embarrassed to show you. So that's what was happening uh, for me back then. So it is now time to talk about... It's time for the Out of Practice Podcasts This Day in the World. The greatest hits, the biggest movies, headlines from Vermont, essential sports updates, and for some inexplicable reason, the weather from 20 years ago. Now back to Keith and Mike. Uh Uh-oh. We are, of course, talking about April 1st, the year 2001. The number one song was Angel by Shaggy featuring Rayvon. Which, uh, like Shaggy, or Shaggy was really having a, uh, a time here. Uh, all right, so the top movie on April 1st, 2001 was Spy Kids. And the cover of the Burlington Free Press talked about Bush, as in W, in, who had just, uh, was three months into his presidency, favors defense over missiles. And, uh, yeah, so that's going to turn out. All right, that brings us wait, to... Wait, 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 whoa, 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 whoa. It's time. What, what, what? It was April Fool's, obviously, and we mm-hmm. didn't even be the better podcast to know what was the best April Fool's joke of twenty of 2001. Oh, oh, I don't know. So I've Googled it, and hopefully this is what, what the answer is. Um, okay, I can't wait. NPR's All Things Considered... Reveal on uh, April first, two thousand and one, revealed that a California-based company, Lunar Corp, had developed a laser powerful enough to project images onto the surface of the moon. It planned to use this to beam advertisements onto the moon, turning the Earth's satellite into a giant billboard. Many people fell for it. Oh, I remember that—the rumor that Pizza Hut was going to put a big logo on the moon. That's funny. Well. I'm glad that worked out in real time. Okay. All right. Well done. Okay. Now it's time for... It's time. It's time. It's time time for sports. The Boston Bruins beat the lowly Islanders in Boston 4-2 in a spirited match that began with a fight 10 seconds into the game. Eric Cairns had a goal and the fight, but it wasn't enough to overcome Jason Allison's 34th and 35th goals of the season. Meanwhile, the Flyers beat the Red Wings 1-zip in Philly. Roman Monic got the... Shut out. <laughs> All right. Now we have, uh, yeah, so we, we, we already did the weather. So now it is time for that bumper you told me to let you know ahead of time. It's going so smoothly already. That it was coming. So here, here it comes. I think it might be time for... I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. And I'm not going to take this anymore. It's time to talk about the damn episode. Oh, wow. That that gra- the, the, uh, the video intro got much bigger than last I time. I figured I needed to do something. <laughs> I can't believe it worked <laughs> out. None of the other ones that we've been doing for two years have worked, but that one worked. <laughs> that was great. Okay. All right. This episode entitled The Confession, obviously a memorable one as it's Dylan McDermott's final episode, Prepare Yourself. Wait, what? Was written written by David E. Keller, Kelly and Lucas Reiter, who last wrote on The Awakenings, and directed by Andy Wolk, who last directed Payback. Uh, I kind of just spoiled what does Mike think is going to happen. But that brings us to it's April Fool's, dude. Oh, you son of a bitch. 
<laughs> Boom. It got me hook, line, and sinker. I was like, I was like, how could I not be? Pre- I was, my heart was literally broken. For, <laughs> you bitch. Oh. It's oh. April Fools, man. Touche, touche. We're going to do this. Come on. Okay. All right. I'm, dr- I'm literally dreading it, so. What is that supposed to mean? What's your problem? Is this what happens to women when you insert your penis? What? What? What does Mike think's gonna happen? Yeah, what if he would have drank the curdled milk? Then what would have happened? I feel like I inverted that image, because that is not the eyebrow I generally raise. Oh, yeah, it is. Okay. Yeah, you did it. Um, oh, oh, I'm glad you, I'm not. You're to, a like... little grayer on the right than the left. Mm-hmm. That's, you can see it in the, uh, yeah. I'm a little grayer overall. That picture was taken a little while ago now. This podcast, like the presidency, has aged me. Um, <laughs> so... After like the past few weeks of babies and 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 crossovers and epic stuff happening, I uh, I feel like I was gonna say we're gonna go back to a freak of the week case and just like you know a mundane just like one shot deal, no overarching thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously the confession has to has to uh, correspond to something. George W. Bush clearly plays a role. I can't wait to see how that comes in. But I'm going to say the big confession is who gives the big confession? I'm on the practice. <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, my okay. Lindsay had a baby. Eleanor had okay. a baby. Yes. Either Lucy or Lisa or Rebecca D. Cricket will announce on this that they also are pregnant. <laughs> that What's is in my the water. That's my big swing. That's the confession. Oh, okay. A third pregnancy on season five of the practice. Wow. And I think all of them were written in because the actors were actually pregnant. So yeah, boy, so. things are things are getting crazy in LA. Well, that's accurate. Uh, okay. All right. Well, folks, it is time to hop over to your podcasting service of choice to listen to us. Listen to the episode. We will see you back here on YouTube for the oopsies. Season five, episode 18, The Confession. Yeah. Spent a lot of money. Uh- Making that back lot filled with fire trucks and a crashed car. Ray Bruto's back. Ray Bruto, of course. Oh, Helen! Carjack. Victim evidently tried to fight him off. She got dragged. Car collided with the pickup. That's the driver of the pickup over there. He's unhurt. Suspect? Fled on foot. No witnesses yet. Honey? Keep that man back. I don't care. Keep him back. Not doing a great job of keeping him back. Where did the jacking take place? A soup right about a quarter mile back. But, you know, while we're doing it, let's talk about... Where's Justin? Where's my son? Dreaming father! (laughs) Guy who clearly knows that heat escapes from the head first in the cold. He's not yes, wearing a hat. He's indeed. not wearing a hat. No, no he's not. He's, he's probably hat. Well, I mean, they're all freezing, but they're clearly filming in L.A., so they're actually not. Uh, all right, so here's the fun thing. 
that uh, the grieving person there is played by not that David Bowie. And guess what? We have seen him before. He looks familiar. Ah, he was a lawyer in state of mind. He was a school attorney. Here we go. Yeah. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. But now you get twist the residuals arriving at your door. Two, three, so four. welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you met your demise. At first you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, man, filler, but you had a go to you. Maybe fooling someone dimmer, but you don't fool me. We don't hear the judge, but you just might be. Welcome, welcome back, back to, to the, the practice, practice tonight. Yes, indeed. Welcome back to the practice, David Bowie. Let's find out what happens to you. Oh, what an unfortunate name. Every every union right. he tries to join. I'm, I'm just like David Bowie. Oh, David Bowie. Oh, was in the car. We see him now. Hey, sorry to stop, folks, but uh, you know, I've spent we spend so much time. Uh, uh, congratulating and boosting up the sound work on the show here. But interestingly, Keith, I don't know if you noticed it there when listening in cans, that was clear that whatever that firefighter was shouting was clearly filmed on a stage somewhere and put into the episode. That's ADR, right? Uh, I'd have to listen to it again. I'm not it's, sure. It's got this like fake reverb on it and it's clearly not filmed there. I'll, I'll go back. Yeah, well, if you've got cans on, listen, listen to yeah. it. Three-year-old son was in the car. Oh, 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 he was probably the only one who was mic'd. I love that Ray Brutza here is trying to like uh, protect Helen's uh, delicate sensibilities. Delicate sensibilities, yeah. It's, you know what you're dealing with, buddy? <laughs> really cool shot here where we've got the sparks aimed over our heroes in the foreground, even though they would have to be lying on the ground in order to have those parts actually find their faces. Yeah. Are you okay, son? Where's mommy? Okay, so the kid's alive, that's good. Where's mommy? That was actually a really compelling performance by the little kid. Or the lady who did the voice of the kid later. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know that we <laughs> kid didn't actually do the lines. All right. Well, we already have high stakes. We have Helen witnessing the actual chap happened to be there for the crime. I don't... I don't I'm not entirely sure how the detectives and the DA were there before the fire department to check if anybody else was in the car. Were they just like there already? Well, and and 
am I correct in stating that they weren't even going to look for the kid? Had the father not been like, hey, my kid's in there? Right. They didn't know that there was a kid in there at all. So I guess it could have taken longer, but I would imagine they'd, you know, just put eyeballs inside the car to see what was going on. But we need, we need story-wise, we need Helen to stay By the time I got out of my truck, I, I saw somebody running away. I, I couldn't really tell if it was a man or woman. How far away was he running? I don't know. He ran so far away. You never saw his face? No. Detective. There's your favorite. Picked him up half a mile Police south. Scanner. Out of breath, bruises. He tried to run as soon as he saw us. You say anything? Just started screaming he didn't do it. Read him his rights. Done. Get him to interrogation. I'll meet you there and get a blood test. Sir. Same thing, yeah, you're totally right. I promised Eleanor All right, I'd we'll be do by it. with dinner. Suspect is clearly guilty. Guy who Eugene would tell not to say anything. Don't say anything. It is Jeff Cahill from Dangerous Minds ER and NYPD Blue. Half hour ago. It's waiting for you at pickup. Why can't Rebecca work late? She didn't have a baby. All right, Jimmy. I'm just saying, it's you and me every night, Eugene. Plus, I, I gotta bring Eleanor her food. Jimmy. Karen, what's wrong? <laughs> it's an old friend. I need some help. It's Eddie. Oh, God. It isn't drugs this time. He may have... They say he killed somebody. Okay, is he carjack guy? Of course, carjack guy is not an old friend directly, but it's the old Nothing. friend of his sister. He must have been wearing gloves. None of the prints matched his. You've dusted the whole car already. Are we no, going to get a Jimmy Helen face-to-face here? Not that's, a single that's, witness. I don't know Nobody that we've had that so many times. Not yet. No. What happened anyway? Do we know? I'm into that. The husband went in to buy diapers. The victim evidently noticed his wallet on the seat. She- so I want to point out real quick uh, that in trial four, which I mentioned, for those of you who don't uh, watch the YouTube, oh, well, I guess you listened to the podcast, though. I mentioned in More TV this week, uh, that is all predicated around the accused uh, going in to buy diapers. So it's interesting. an interesting parallel to this case. <laughs> Maybe the only parallel to this Ran back out, next thing. The husband here screaming. Just in, order your diapers online. That way you're not accused of any crimes. While the car's speeding away, dragging her. So I don't know if you caught that. That was a uh, string of drug arrests or possession. He car- he stole the car, did not realize that the mother was attached to the car and dragged her and killed her. That's what happened. She was attached to the car? She got her like coat caught in the door or something like that. Okay. Well, they found her Scream. purse on the side of the road about 50 yards from where they grabbed him. What's his story? Out jogging. All right, let me take a shot. He was out jogging, but it looks like some kicked the shit out of him? A little bit, yeah. Twitchy thumbs. Eddie, was, uh, my name's Helen Gamble. I'm the district attorney. I didn't kill anybody. The officer told you you're right. It could have been the director's choice. I didn't do anything. Son, you gotta look nervous. I think you should let me speak for a second and then you can respond, okay? We have two witnesses at the Superette who saw you get into the car. Wasn't me. 
The driver of the pickup also made it was on me. the accident. Uh, yes, which I was going to say is a Shaggy song, which we are really just wrapping it all in together today. We sure are. Now here's the thing. We do figure this to be an accident. All you were looking to do is steal the car to score some drugs. You never met for them. I should mention that in that story earlier, that person, like I said, he just resembled Shaggy. I don't know that it was Shaggy. I should say it was a gentleman who looked like Shaggy. Allegedly. A woman to get hurt. Now, if you cooperate here, I don't here, think I can Shaggy cares that. <laughs> a thing that's no, no longer even illegal. That's a good point. I don't know. The size of this blunt, Keith, it has to be illegal. Did you vote for George W. Bush? George W. Bush is your worst nightmare at this moment. Know why? I'm your worst nightmare. He proposed legislation to bring back the death penalty in every state, and it's about three weeks from passing here in David Massachusetts. David E. Kelly had a point to make. And I can tell you my office is chomping for that first chance. Here we have a carjacking. Every shit. citizen's yeah, biggest buddy. fear. A dead mother with a three-year-old child. The husband is a city councilman. You're going to die, Eddie. Oh, shit. No, you shouldn't have. It's the nicest thing you ever said to me, Ms. Gamble. Don't fuck with Helen. Excuse of course, me, all that is a lie. I'm attorney James Berluti. You're holding one of my clients, Edward Larson. AKA I'd like to see Jimmy him. the Grunt. One second. And why would you help me? Just tell me that. The grunts here. Peas and carrots, peas and carrots. Now, he's right out there. Oh, you're gonna have to stop lying directly to this man, Ellen. Do you know who Paul Salucci is? He's the governor of Massachusetts, and he's out there. He's a friend of George W. Bush. Uh, G.W. Bush better be getting some goddamn royalties for this. I'm famous. I'm on practice. (laughs) Bobby Donald. (laughs) If you switch to your... uh... Second audio track Jimmy. on the podcast, you'll hear the uh, developer commentary Eleanor, all by George I have w. Lucy Bush. Do it. I represent I Eddie Larson. I heard this is and Kevin Larson, his sister, happened. high school classmate of mine. I'm not cool though. I'd like all questioning. So, by the governors should... out there, she simply meant I have to go talk to Jimmy? Yes. Uh, but while we're doing it, <laughs> sister of the guy who might have done it is old friends with Jimmy. I think Keith covered all the bases there. Yeah. Her name's Arabella Field. House. American Horror Story. Seinfeld. National Treasure. I love National Treasure. Dante's Peak and Broderick's Godzilla. I like Broderick's Godzilla. It's the best one. Just stop, please. Fine, we already finished, actually. He's been taken to booking. <laughs> Mike is well, not entertaining, my W. <laughs> We're not bringing him up. You'll have to wait till arraignment. Why? Because that's the procedure. You know that. Booking to arraignment. You can see him before he goes into court. Yo, Helen is... She's like worse than me in my deathbed confessions. You have my word. It was nice meeting you, Miss Larson. Sorry you had to be under these circumstances. She better have gotten her food. She did. Ladies and gentlemen, 
we'd like to take a brief pause here in the action to give a moment of silence to the redemption of Helen, as we are completely <laughs> derailing it today. Yeah, remember when they tried to make her a good guy again? <laughs> oh, and we're back. So what now? He'll be arraigned in court Keep, first. We have an official coating of snow, an official coating of snow. Him. Come on, nice. get some coffee. Bring it up here. Okay, so uh, this scene is very interesting. So, so pause it there for a second. So Jimmy just pointed out that now that Jimmy is there, she can no longer ask him any questions. She cannot ask a question. So now watch this, con- watch this scene in the context of her not being able to ask. Can she, is she allowed to just simply say the words George W. Bush over and over again? She's, she's allowed to say lots of words. They can, there can be no question marks. Governor I'm Salucci like, saw the news. You're getting upside down, question mark. He's not just George W. Bush's friend, but also Councilman Reed's. I guess okay. we know what the shot word for You asked, why is. would I want to help you? <laughs> for me to answer that, I have to be able to trust you. Because what I am about to tell you could get me in trouble. You already in trouble, girl? I have a personal relationship with your lawyer. You may not even realize you have a lawyer yet, Eddie, but you do. His name is James Berluti, and he happens to be a lifelong friend of your sister Karen. And I banged now, his boss. Now, as a favor for her, mm. he's asking a favor of me. You never heard that. Do you understand what I'm telling you? For God's sake, Eddie. For your sake. I'm the only person who can save your life. False confession in three? Tell me what happened. I only meant to steal the car. Somehow, her jacket... I never meant to kill her. He's doing a good job, this guy. I know you didn't, Teddy. Jeff Cahill. What's this underscoring? This, like, triumphant underscoring. Oh, okay, there we go. It resolved. Okay, well. So, Helen got a coerced confession. Only that I meant to steal the car. Did they read you your rights, tell you you didn't have to talk? Yes, but... The DA told me I'd get the death penalty if I didn't cooperate. The death penalty? We don't have a death penalty in Massachusetts. It's about to pass in three weeks. Who told you that? The DA. Once again, though, she knows Jimmy's his lawyer. Like, she's not, why would she not think he's gonna, the client's gonna tell him that this happened? I completely agree. It's a good question. Like, everything she said about Jimmy was true. So she should have been saying that to herself. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like, it's a... She's taken... She's way out on a limb here. What else did she tell you? That she could help. That she was she doing you a Bobby. favor since you're friends with Karen. Mm-hmm. How'd she know I was friends with Karen? Grabbed his dick. Wait a second. This says it was signed at 9.35 p.m. Is that when you signed this? Around then, yeah. And this is when you confessed, around this time. Yeah, I signed it as soon as I finished. 
Where did that take place? At the police station. I was there last night at 8 o'clock. Did you know that? No. I feel like they just won the case, right? Yeah. You lied to me. You questioned him after I was there. You got his confession at 9.35. You lied to me. I'm sorry I had to do that. You're sorry? You Now, uh, sorry, I'm, it's, I'm incredulous because of all, yes, the dirty tactics, we've seen it on both sides, but I would, I would expect it from Helen, especially after she just like helped, she helped out at the hospital, she's this, she's that, she's like a friend of everybody. Uh, you you pulled this kind of bullshit on like a really important case where you just where, like it's like a super murder case like this is tragic no doubt but clearly the guy seems relatively believable that it was a it was an accident terrible accident but she's trying to pull these this this like trick that not only endangers her client or endangers her case and endangers all of her personal relationships for what? Well, I mean, clearly, I mean, it was a carjacking. I mean, this guy is like. Yeah. Guilty. And, and you know, I, I understand that she wants to get him, but, like, it is such a giant risk to take on, there's plenty, I, I'm sure they can find plenty of other evidence soon enough. Like, he was, like, he the, the injury, the car, the, the, there might be videotapes, more witnesses. Like, it's, she's really going so far out on a limb well before she has to, even if, even if she felt like I have to get this guy no matter what, like it's way too early to to make that kind of a swing. Lie to me point blank and you're sorry. What's the big atrocity, Jimmy, that the truth came out? Don't give me that. I was there last night. I saw a little boy pulled from a wreckage. Okay. I saw his eyes go to his dead mother. This isn't about that and you know it. This is about legal ethics, Helen. It's about the law. And I acted within the law. You think so? I know so. Let's see what a judge has to say, because I'm moving to suppress this confession. Fine. Of course. Have a good look in the mirror last night. You can do everything within the bounds of the law to free your murderers. I can't try just as hard to put them away. You went outside the bounds of the law. No, I didn't, Jimmy. Look it up. Well, we about to find out, Helen. Yeah, well, there's your thesis statement of the episode. Slow down. I can't. I'm too upset. She also- All right, so this is the second time it's been in the shot. I, I gotta bring it up, Keithy. I'm gonna just rewind a little bit here. Okay. Look in the back wall of the office, we are at- about Slow- like, At uh, about mm, 31 minutes to go. Look at their, look at their calendar in, next to Rebecca's desk. Is that like James yeah. Van Buren? It, it does, like, or Madison, or... Somebody was mutton could be, chops. Could be Hamilton. Okay. I just It's the second time I've seen that calendar, and it's so prominent in every shot that I, I kind of want to know who it is. If you can tell in the episode who, who's in that, who that who's the visage of that is, Which I'd like to know. Which founding father are we looking at on the, uh, on the wall there? Yeah, it's a good question. Oh, no. I can't. I'm too upset. She also told him the victim was married to a city councilman. The guy's no councilman. He's a pharmacist. So she talked to him after you said stop? After? Yes. And she admits it. She says it's legal. Rebecca. I'm already on it. I haven't pulled anything up You're yet. You're right. Damn well, right, I say you bring a motion to suppress. I'm doing that. Don't worry. Have you done it yet? No, but... Good. Do it before Judge Kittleson. He's already been arraigned. Has this judge <laughs> assigned it yet? Yeah, no, we just let's played do not it. Guilt. Good. Let's get it before Judge Kittleson. 
We need her back, and I love that they're using Jimmy because, you know, history. She won't go for that yeah, crap, right. and she's seen Helen pull it before. She lied right to my face. Right to my face! Now, Jimmy, we're going to need you to go to Kittleson, and you're going to have to be nude. I know it's a big ask, but uh, yeah, remember, yeah. let's let her remind her what she's working with, or was working with. I mean, it's, a, it's only fair. She went fully nude for him. Mm-hmm. How could he get off Which is why if he confessed? I'm, I can't imagine she'd be able to adjudicate a case with Jimmy. <laughs> If the defense is successful in suppressing his confession, our case becomes extremely thin. He got Miranda, didn't he? Yes, but... Look, the law supports us. I'm very confident. I think you should be with your son and let me deal with this. Set in motion a situation by which this guy might not face justice because she got greedy. They had a witness, didn't they? They said they had a witness. Well, that that was a lie as well. Oh, okay. I was going to say, like, they didn't need the confession. Well, they, I, I think in Helen's defense, they said that they were, were not able to get prints, and they don't have a specific witness. So it's it's not like she has a great case, but it's just that they haven't explored whether or not they can find more case. So they're basically saying, because they're trying, well, at least I should say they're implying that by that opening scene that because Helen witnessed it basically and that kid being pulled out of the car that that is what inspired her to go yeah, full tilt which which makes sense like yeah. i like from a from a storytelling standpoint that the a to b to c there makes perfect sense it seems consistent with Helen's character it but and so which is why i think it's it's the character making a mistake not the show making a mistake which i love yeah okay promise me that He's not going free. Don't worry. I call your honor's attention to Moran versus Brooklyn. No, this is a 1986 call your U.S. Supreme Court case. I'm aware of the case, a, Ms. Gamble. Then you know you, the court's position. You should position. back it up and the take a look no at it. This is a, to a, a suspect of mine. I, in, call your honor's uh, attention. 90s and early computer days, the uh, the the computer monitors are at a different refresh rate than the the uh, the frame rate of the film. So, uh, which I don't know, because TV is is thirty frames a second, but this was shot on thirty five millimeter. Which I don't know if I don't know when you shoot a TV show on film, whether you shoot it at twenty four and then up convert it to thirty frames, or that, you shoot it at thirty frames. I'm pretty confident you shoot it. You sh- well. Digital, you shoot at 30, right? But you can downconvert. Yeah. But I'm, I'm pretty sure that if, if this was shot on film, it's absolutely 24 FPS. So, you know. Yeah. They, yeah. But, anyway, so it just nerd talking. And and if you're going to show a computer screen, an old CRT computer screen on, on, uh, on film or on TV, you have to change the refresh rate of the monitor so that you don't have this weird flickery effect. And... This is the second time in this episode we've had a prominent computer screen that has not been adjusted for 30 frames a second. So you have this weird flicker on it. And it feels like just like it's a director mistake not catching that. It's weird. It, yeah, the, the the money or the time taken to like either exclude it from the shot or fix it is probably not worth it. But uh, yeah, no. This is also a, a cool shot we don't usually get to see. It's a, it's a perspective shot from behind Kittleson's head, so we get to see, and it's kind of fish lensed, so we can see the whole courtroom, which is cool. So we get yeah. you know uh, a pretty cool look at at the proceedings, plus a fan. It's 
It's an over-the-shoulder over with a uh, This is a focus. 1986 U.S. Supreme Court case. I'm aware of the case, Ms. Gamble. Then you know the court's position. The state has no duty to inform a suspect when a lawyer is trying to reach him. I understand the opinion, Counselor. It's the reasoning that troubles me. Everything depends on the suspect's state of mind. He knew he could have a lawyer. He chose not to ask for one. The fact that a lawyer was asking for him, it's irrelevant. That's ridiculous. Really, why don't you call Justice Rehnquist and tell him that? I was intentionally lied to. He made me she president. gave me her word she would stop asking questions. And I maintain I am allowed to lie. To an officer of the court. Yes, it doesn't matter. Eddie Larson didn't want a lawyer. The fact that I lied to Mr. Berluti didn't influence that decision. The Supreme Court found this behavior to be inappropriate, objectionable. But ultimately legal. Under the federal constitution. This is a case under the Massachusetts Constitution. And in the absence of controlling state law interpretation, the Supreme Court... Can I finish what I'm saying? Please. As of now, the states are divided. In some, it's still okay to keep a suspect from his lawyer. But the majority of states reject that rule. New York, California, Florida, they all say the same thing. A suspect has a right to know when his lawyer is trying to reach him. That's not the law in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. It's never been addressed here. I'll take the matter under advisement. I'll let you know when I make a decision. Until then, we're adjourned. It's a little early in the episode for this to go Jimmy's way, so... But I, I love Come the on, debate. I love the fact, like, the question. Yeah. I will, what you did. And I love that they let us know he's actually guilty early on, because now it's not about that. Right. No. It's about the issue here and whether, yeah, it's a- you know, and it's the it's not just the thesis of the episode, as we've stated many, many times. It's the thesis of the show. Right. What is the what are the ethics in 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 prosecuting a case, in defending a client? Is the system of justice set up? Who's the justice for? Right. Right. No, I'd love it. Look, you do what you do. I do what I do. Why is it personal every single time I because try Because you lied to me, and that's personal. Oh, you know, for God's sake. That's enough. You accuse innocent people in an open courtroom. Well, this is different from that. All of you. Are they all going to end up in prison? That's right. In lockup? Eating some soggy fries. Wait till my ruling. Until then, try to conduct yourselves with some civility. Says the woman who had a man take his dick out in court. One of the women who had a man take out his dick in court. <laughs> Touche. Not the woman who grabbed the dick in a public setting. Or gave an eyeball. Do you think erection. I was wrong? Absolutely not. Oh God! Another seat of J- Jason Kravitz eating. Oh, Jason Kravitz, is that right? Yeah. Jason Kravitz eating. This I love this man as an actor, but no one taught him just eat the food, Jason. I I love these scenes though, and uh, if you do watch, Helen's lie. wine is at a, at a different uh, amount of wine every shot. Uh, I hope to God he does another fake cut with no food, uh, fake eat. I mean, that was the worst I'd ever seen in in television history for, from <laughs> that I've seen, and I hope that he does it again. That we then we know it's the actor, and not just like they just took a bad take. Today on the show, That's Jason Kravitz, everybody. Defense lawyers, <laughs> they cheat. All the time. Look at how much wine she has. Civil rights they have so many string beans, too. Back out on the street. But with us, it's a big double standard. I did feel a little greasy. But Richard, I, right, he's cutting. without this confession... That's <laughs> all I can look at. He'll go free. He dragged a woman to death. 
You have nothing to apologize for. I need the speech. I love the speech. Which one? Anyone. Just give me any speech. It's an evolving cesspool with the proliferation of drugs and guns, compounded with a total national moral bankruptcy, kids being raised with no compass of right and wrong. There is rape, there is violence, there is depravity on every street in every city, and with the cancerous corruption of police officers, it now falls to the district attorney alone to stem the tide, to fight the outbreak of lawlessness that is spreading like a fungus. We are it, Helen the prosecuting attorney, the district attorney, the noble prosecutor. We represent the last bastion of morality, of justice, and of truth. And if we have to lie to keep it that way, we will damn well do it. Pretty, 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 pretty good. Pretty, pretty yeah, good. I love these decision. scenes with the two of them. Like, it's not enough to make me on the uh, prosecutor's side in, in general, but, like, I do like hey. their point of view. What's he doing? Uh, you know, I wouldn't have brought him, but he's a little clingy. Yeah. Is Jesus. this unusual that the judge would rule Kids, so fast? Uh, right there. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm Stupid hoping kid. it's a good sign. If she were going to depart from the Supreme Court, I suspect she would have taken at least a day or two to consider that. The sister. Mr. Reed, my brother. I know. I basically raised him myself. He's had some problems with drugs, but he would never intentionally hurt a person. I'm so sorry for your loss, sir. We should go in. What a tough position for the sister. Oh my god, yeah. All rise. Emmy Award winner, Judge Kittleson. They actually didn't give the award to the character. Ms. Gamble, oh. while I understand your gallant pursuit of justice, it is unfortunate you choose to do so at the expense of your own integrity as well as that of the process. Nonetheless, the Supreme Court has made its decision, and while I respectfully disagree, I am bound to accept it. I find Ms. Gamble's actions did not violate our federal constitution. The motion to suppress on those grounds is denied. This is, however, a state prosecution and must be considered also in light of our state constitution, which, without binding precedent, I am charged to interpret, to determine if it grants the citizens of this commonwealth more protection than our federal system provides. I find that it does. I find that in Massachusetts, the police must inform a suspect when a lawyer tries to render assistance. Your Honor. Sit down, Miss Gamble. Moreover, it's bad enough 
that we have DAs lying to suspects. But when they start lying to defense counsel as well, we are the system, Ms. Gamble. The players have to play honestly. Mr. Larson's confession is hereby suppressed. Wow. Without the confession, I find insufficient evidence to hold the defendant. He is free to go. This case I mean, is dismissed without prejudice. This court. She's adjourned. right. I mean, like, in, in terms of the greater good of justice, like, Helen should not be able to Thank do you, that. Mr. I mean, it's Thank awful you. that this guy gets his case tossed, but, like, that's. But there's 22 minutes, Keith. I don't know. There might be a twist. All right, that's probably a good minute to pause for just a moment. Uh, yes. Seldom do we do mid-episode pause break. Oh, we do. Although, I think we, now that I think about it, we should not do it now. Okay. Because it's a video. Oh, we should right. do it before the oopsies so people can see it. So right. never mind, everyone. But so, stay tuned for the oopsies. There might be a surprise. Okay. To, to me as well. To all of us. So it's over. Well, we can always refile, but... But what? Well, without the defendant's confession, we basically have no case, Mr. Reed. What about the gloves? I mean, they found the gloves. The gloves don't exactly tie the defendant to the car. Plus, we can't use the gloves. Why not? Because he told us where to find them. Anything his confession led us to, it's... It's fruits of a poisonous tree. Again, Helen, what are you doing? Why would you take that risk? So you doing what you did basically secured this man's freedom? Yikes. Yes. What I did appears to have backfired. Yes. You think? They can refile. No double jeopardy has attached. Have you got that, Eddie? You said it six times, Mr. Young. Do I seem like an idiot? Do you seem like an idiot? You confessed. You believed the DA when she told you we had the death penalty coming. I'm not a lawyer. That's why it's important you listen to us. If anyone comes calling for an interview, say no. Right now, all the prosecution evidence is connected to the confession. And as long as it stays that way, you stay free. He's not going to talk to anybody. I'll make sure of that. I'm not a murderer, Mr. Young. Eddie? All right. We don't need to do this. I didn't even know there was a kid in the car. And I didn't know she... I just sped away. I didn't know she was caught in the door. You didn't hear her? No, I didn't hear anything. Until from the back seat, I heard a little... voice. I heard, where's mommy? Cahill's doing a really good job here. Song. A little boy. That must have been when I ran the stop sign. When I got out of the car, I saw her lying there. Yeah, he's been great. I didn't know what I'd done. Can I help you? Look at the dead one, 
think you better go get him. Um, sir, he's behind closed doors. But... Miss, we're gonna get him with your permission or without okay, your permission. Okay, I'll get him. Uh-oh, here comes the twist. They say they're FBI. What's going on? We're here to arrest Edward Larson. Why? What's happening? Edward Larson, you're under arrest for the murder of Constance Reed. Hold on. Those charges were dismissed. The charge is federal carjacking, pursuant to Title 18, United States Code, Section 2119. You have no Wait a right second. You have the this. right to remain silent. You have no right to remain silent. hands now. behind your back, sir. Don't no, say anything, Eddie. We'll meet you down there. Don't say anything to these people. This is why double jeopardy not applying was very important here, state and federal. This is like the opposite of what uh, what Trump is going through. Even if he had pardoned himself, it could only be for federal and not state. And this is the opposite. Okay, so, okay, so, hold on. Were the feds planning on doing this anyway? Or do you think, are we going to find out if, like, somebody kicked it up the chain? I would imagine somebody kicked it up the chain, yeah. Okay, so we've got that. We've got all kinds of, so we've got the case drama. We've got the personal drama. But now we're cutting to a scene where uh, Rebecca, uh, Rebecca, where Helen and uh, Eleanor are playing house as roommates still and folding laundry and drinking tea. And in their in their, in their just cozies. had a baby. Yep. Oh, yeah. Where's the baby at? Uh, let's let's see. They had a fire truck. You can't have a fire truck and a baby in the same house. So it's too expensive. Are you behind it? <sighs> Eleanor, I can't talk to you about this. Why? Why? Because you're a partner there. Wait a minute. Wait roommate. a minute. Stop right here. Helen is wearing a Notre Dame sweatshirt. And she also, previously, she was wearing a Harvard sweatshirt. Mm-hmm. So Under, did she do undergrad? undergrad? Yeah, I guess yeah. undergrad, postgrad. Yeah, fair enough. But I, I, love, I love that she broke... Oh, this poor person. How many Amazons can one family get? I feel bad for this lady. It's the same lady who always delivers her Amazons. It's like a blizzard outside, and she's Amazon and me. I think, like, it's probably honey or something. <laughs> something I, crazy. I, no, I, I feel so bad because we get, like, 17 deliveries a day. So we spent the first 40 minutes of the episode, or 30 minutes of the episode watching Helen just like bend every rule. But yet, you know what? We're, I can't talk to you about this, Helen, or about this, Eleanor. Sorry. The rules are the rules. Yeah, the rules are the rules, right? It's <sighs> we fight over Scrabble. Please, I'm not about to discuss this case. Can you just tell me why you're pushing it so? He did kill a woman. Have we all lost sight of that? Nearly all of your cases are homicides, Helen. You're pushing harder on this one. Why? Yeah, you know what went through my mind that night? As they were pulling that little boy from the car and his mother was laying dead on the street, I thought of you. And I thought of Lindsay. And I tried to imagine your child. I did it for you, Eleanor. Having to... If you were killed. And I couldn't even imagine it, Eleanor. I like it, though. It really tracks. I also made a promise to that husband. The father. To answer your question, yeah. I'm behind it. Shit. Well, I mean, if I'm Helen and I fucked oh, up so royally, that this B is rolls from like the forties. 
It's the I same know. one that was on before. And here's the other thing that I was thinking about when I saw that terrible old B-roll. At this point, the oh, practice I was being broadcast in high definition. And so we're what we're seeing. Have you on screenshot Hulu this? Screenshot this. Is is a cropped uh it, it's a it's a cropped low uh, dumbed down to 480 picture so this old b-roll that was clearly shot on like like eight, eight millimeter? millimeter in yeah. 1968 uh <laughs> must have looked so jarringly bad <laughs> compared to the full high def signal oh that is that is bad that's funny we've seen it before too it's like somebody's protesting the vietnam war this is blatant form shopping your honor they lost in state court so now they try federal we're certainly not bound by state court you're bound by fairness well i don't see the problem mr young your client is charged with a federal crime and that charge should be heard in a federal court well as you can and see we need the to talk about throughout the confession because it was obtained after okay so here we go, guys. We have a federal judge and a federal prosecutor here. The judge is played by John Alward, who we have seen before. And I need a ruling on this because uh, the first time we saw him, he was uh, he was working for the police as a completely separate character. Now he is... The second time we saw him was as a a district court judge, which is technically federal. And now he is just listed as a federal judge. So it could be the same character, the second character that he's played, or it, because it is credited differently, could technically be his third character on the practice. Is the name the same? Uh all right, let, let me let me get let me get serious here. Let's let, if we're going to adjudicate this, let's get the official uh, rulings here. Let me let me pull it up. So he is federal judge Kendall Marcotte in this episode. He has previously been listed as chief district court judge without a name. So he could technically, because you know, uh, district court is federal court who was not given a name. Uh, previously, he was the center panelist in Rydell hearing. Um, and so, like, the, the federal court is has, has three layers. It has the district court, the trial court, and the circuit court. Uh, and so, uh, I don't know. I, unclear. But I'm going to make it easy on us because the other character in this scene is Jelko Ivanik, who is, of course, legendary actor. He's back, but now he is officially a different character. He was Mark McGovern, and now he is Sanders. So here it is. This In your own heads, listeners, you can either decide this is just for Jelko or this is for John as well. It's up to you. Make your call, but we're going to make the bumper. We're not supposed to notice that you've been on the show before. The now you get twice the residuals arriving at your door. So welcome back to the practice. I'll pretend that I don't recognize that I saw you in season two and you made your demise. At first you were a killer, but now you're set free. First appearance, mainly filler, but you had a goatee. You may be fooling someone dimmer, but you don't fool me. We're not here to judge, but you just might be. Welcome, welcome back, back to the, to the practice, practice tonight. tonight. Oh, 
that just gets very high. <laughs> <laughs> Everything I write does. The local DA lied to counsel. Yes, Judge Kittleson made a determination that lying to counsel was impermissible under Massachusetts law. But again, we're in federal court now, and what the district attorney did is permissible under federal law. Look, my client was coerced into confessing, not by the federal government, by a state prosecutor acting under state authority. Now you're saying something completely different. Are you suggesting the confession wasn't voluntary? Yes. In addition to Helen Gamble lying to me, she coerced a defendant with the threat of a death sentence. Well, if you want to move to suppress on that, I'll hear you. But her lying to you, she can do it. What do you want to do? We're moving to suppress on grounds that the confession was a result of government coercion. That's a strong, have a strong case there, have too. witness is ready. No, they really do. It's really layered. Well, hold and on Eugene one just second. called an audible live. Our client is stupid. And why should that concern me? Well, I'd ask, Your Honor, that whatever he says in this suppression hearing, it can't be used against him in trial. What? We would never let this idiot take the stand, not in a million years. But he's the only one who can testify as to what happened in that interrogation room. So what do you want me to do? I want you point? to give him testimonial immunity. You can't be serious. Mr. Young, they can't use his testimony as part of its case in chief. But to impeach... I'm not talking about impeachment. I'm talking about new evidence that my client might be stupid enough to give them. New information that the government doesn't have yet. And if he does, I need an order. Anything they learn from my client can't be used against That him. has never been granted for new evidence. Otherwise, the government gets a potential windfall from a coerced confession. He has a That's point. That's so smart First by Eugene. First of all, it wasn't coercion. We won't know that till we have a hearing. And the hearing would be Eddie Larson's version of events. And there's no way I can put him on the stand if what he says can be used against him in trial. I need immunity. I oppose. I'm granting the defendant's request. On what authority? You're granting him special protection on grounds of stupidity? When an ingenious district attorney preys on that stupidity, yes. Yes. He gets use immunity for his testimony at this hearing only. Now, let's all get real for a second. If the confession gets tossed, the man goes free. If it survives, he's looking at a sure conviction with a life sentence. There's got to be a meeting place, gentlemen. Let him plead to the charge. Cap a sentence at 10 years, and we're going to all sleep. That's a very reasonable... We'll take that to our client. Suggestion. Yes, I agree. No. And since we're in agreement, Keith... You're sure, Mr. Sanders? That's right. Well, you know, I'm clearly sure. we know most. See you all in one hour. Shelko's not going for it. No. I've never seen him not be excellent. Well, because he's just a flat-out excellent actor. Fair. First she told me they had witnesses, which turned out to be a lie. And she tells me Massachusetts is about to pass the death penalty. Did you believe oh, wait, her? Wait. Yes, I did. What, what, what state she was that? She said they were passing it everywhere. Massachusetts. In Massachusetts. 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 Sorry, I couldn't resist. Fair. I'll allow it. And she tells me Massachusetts is about to pass the death penalty. Did you believe her? Yes, I did. She said they were passing it everywhere and that 
Massachusetts was about three weeks away and I would be executed. Carjack, dead mother, city councilman. That was also a lie. The husband isn't really a city councilman. Let's just stick to what Ms. Gamble told you. She looked me right in the eye and said, behind those windows. You are going to die. What else? She said she could help me. If I confessed, she could keep me from dying. That she'd do a favor for you because you're friends with my sister. Mr. Larson, were you in actual fear of dying? Yes. She said Paul Salucci saw it on the news and he was waiting outside. She told you the Governor Salucci was at the police station? And he'd score big points with the president by executing me. So when you decided to confess this crime to Miss Gamble? I thought I had to in order to save my life. If I didn't tell her what she wanted to hear, I was dead. Hearing him recant, recount it, uh, which is much different than recanting it, um, is it, it, it sh- it's shocking to me just how uniformly stupid that is of Helen. Yes, yes. And, and it's just an unnecessary. It's just like it's you're you're putting the entire case in wild jeopardy because all that has to happen for this case to be blown up is for him just to say what happened, right? And he, and he has zero uh, incentive not to say what happened. It's not like if you say this happened, then this will happen. Then he, at least he has a reason. I was like, all right, you just tell him the truth. That this dum-dum doesn't have to remember anything. He doesn't have to figure anything out. He just has to say what happened. And then the whole case blows up. It's just a risk not worth taking. Thank you, sir. That was for you, Keith. Yeah, you're welcome. Ms. Gamble told you there were witnesses who saw you get in the car. Yes. Witnesses who saw you drive off, dragging the wife? Yes. Did you know right then that she was lying to you, sir, or did you find out later? I found out later. So you were afraid people really did see you commit the crime? Yes, I was. And you believed Massachusetts was about to pass the death penalty? Yes. And you believed Governor Cellucci personally came down to the police station to see that you were executed? She told me he was friends with George W. Bush, that's right. Uh, I did tell him he could get the death penalty, yes. And Governor Salucci? Well, I don't know whether he bought that. What seemed to make an impression was the idea that we had witnesses. How did that make an impression? I told him he was seen getting into the car dragging the woman. I also said the driver of the pickup made him. When I told him that, his face dropped. He knew he was facing a conviction. Objection. In my opinion. What else did you say to him? That was pretty much it. I mainly tried to sympathize as best as I could so he would believe me when I promised to help him. And did you plan on helping him, Ms. Gamble? No. You're the only person who had the opportunity to observe what it was that persuaded Mr. Larson to confess. That's correct. In your opinion, what did persuade him? Basically, it seemed he knew he was caught and his only shot for leniency was to cooperate. Thank you, Ms. Gamble. Which is a very important distinction because the whole, this thing whole- That's what convinced totally him, huh? relies on that- what he thought, the reason he confessed, whether he thought he was caught or whether he thought he was gonna die. He was caught. In my opinion. Your opinion. 
in a way, we kind of have to take. So, I mean, you could argue that that was smart on Helen's behalf that she gave, if she was going to take this giant leap, at least she was planting seeds of doubt. Right. But well, she, she gave herself a little bit of cover with the normal lie, which mm-hmm. is not considered coercion. As opposed Take to the gun word to the on head. It, don't Add a little ambiguity Gamble, there. The night my client was arrested, we had a conversation in the precinct. A conversation where you promised not to question my client, correct? Yes. You gave me your word, isn't that right? Yes. And after waiting for me to leave, you nonetheless continued to question him. Yes, but to be clear, that is a legal tactic authorized by the United States Supreme Court. Is it a legal tactic to lie here today? Objection. This hearing isn't about what Ms. Gamble told Mr. Belluti. Ms. Gamble is giving testimony that puts her credibility in issue. Damn. The fact Smart that she lied hell, to counsel Smart goes to her credibility, hell. her reputation for truthfulness. I'll allow it. You lied to me, didn't you, Helen? Objection to the informality. The informality is because we're friends. Are we not friends, Helen? I don't know, Jimmy, are we? You lied to a friend. Objection. All right, Mr. Baluti. After you left that interview room to see me and you went back in, you told Mr. Larson that you went out to see Governor Salucci, didn't you? Yes. And did you tell him Governor Salucci witnessed a crime? No. You told him Governor Salucci had an interest in seeing Mr. Larson put to death, didn't you? I intimated that, yes. And it was shortly after that Mr. Lawson gave you this confession, wasn't it? That was the timing of it, not necessarily the reason for it. I guess we have your word on that. Objection. Oh, that was one of Jimmy's best, I gotta say. Nothing further. Because not only was it, I think, tactical legally, but it was also him venting a bit of his personal frustration, which we know, uh, that's a great scene. I think it's written well. I think it was yeah. executed well and, and acted to perfection. Yeah. Agreed. Mr. Sanders? Nothing else, Your Honor. And I feel bad for we'll Helen because... Step down. Uh, yeah. Well, Helen, the, the the idea of Helen, because we have, they really have successfully created an arc for her this whole season that was like redemptive. And they just like, not only just like, dis- not destroyed that, but like really sent it the other direction. Well, but also like her objective here is to convict a guy who actually killed somebody. So like her, it's not like she has nefarious nefarious motives. She merely has nefarious tactics, which I think makes it a more interesting case here. But it does, I will say, it does fit the MO of, of Helen. Like, of, no, before, no, of course it does. Before, it's before the arc consistent. of Helen. Because she's, we've yep. had, I think, three episodes of her eliciting a confession that's questioned throughout the episode. Yeah, yeah. Does the defense have anything else? I'd like to make a closing statement, Your Honor. Would I'll you? Hear you. It's closing time. Thanks for the setup, Eugene. We alley ooped to that. To it's closing time. Otherwise, your client's dead. Closing time. <laughs> say close I, I don't know what I, I, my GW there morphed into like some sort of evil character <laughs> well <laughs> I think it applies by the way thanks to the Obamas he's had quite the redemptive arc hasn't he uh yes uh, I'm so charming you, you forget he killed half a million people uh, and <laughs> committed war crimes 
Uh, Barack, uh, don't, so pat yourself, don't, don't pat yourself on the back. I think it's more your wife, buddy. That's she told him he would die. Clearly, the intent was to scare him, to put him in fear for his life, and it worked. But when you put a gun to somebody's head, and effectively, that's exactly what Helen Gamble did. You can't call the resulting behavior voluntary. The coercion here was blatant, it was egregious, and it is illegal under our Constitution. The federal one. Now, the United States Supreme Court has spoken on this, and they've done so unequivocally, Your Honor. Confessions are not admissible if they are not voluntary. She told him, you will die if you don't confess. Mr. Larson made this confession to save his life. It was involuntary, it was coercion, and as a matter of law, it is unconstitutional. Good job, Eugene. Jocko? Mr. Larson was given his Miranda rights. He could have stayed in that room and remained silent and there would have been nothing Miss Gamble or anybody else could have done to make him talk. Once he started talking, Ms. Gamble had every right, in fact, she had a duty to interrogate him. Once you start talking to the police, they have the right to talk back, to question, and yes, to interrogate. Every interrogation, Your Honor, almost every one of them, the police interrogator threatens the suspect with the sanctions of the law. Cooperate or you'll be punished more severely. That's an interrogational tactic employed by every detective. And Helen Gamble threatened Eddie Larson that way, said he would be punished to the full effect of the law, that being the death penalty. Yes, except that Massachusetts doesn't have capital punishment. No, they don't, but that goes to trickery, Your Honor. Yes, she tricked him. Yes, she lied, but there's no constitutional prohibition against that. We are allowed to lie to suspects if we have to. The kind of threat Mr. Young speaks of, the kind banned by the Supreme Court, that, that goes to the threat of physical force or the threat of lawlessness. Nowhere ever does the court say that a police interrogation can't threaten aggressive prosecution. And that is all Helen Gamble did. Now, finally, Your Honor, let's remember the underlying concern the court had about coercion. The worry was an innocent man might confess to something he didn't do. Now that concern clearly isn't in play here. Mr. Larson dragged that woman to death. He said as much. Now, that may not be technically relevant for the purpose of this hearing, but I think Your Honor might consider it for texture. Every case has a context. A woman is dead. I We're love not here asking that both sides are so well argued. But at least give us a trial. Well, there's only four minutes left in the episode, so we're either this is either a two-parter or it's gonna be contained. Well, I guess we're gonna find out. Yeah. This just in, I like this episode quite a bit. Oh, it's amazing. Do you think he'll take a long time to decide? The shame well, Bobby's not in his last episode. Stick around. That tells me it'll be quick. <laughs> what do you think? I don't know, Karen. I think the confession was coerced, but no judge likes to put a guilty man back out there. I just don't want him to lose his whole life. 
Here comes Eugene. They still don't want a deal. It's in the judge's hands, Karen. It, that's a little nuts. Take the deal. Thank you, Miss Campbell. I know how hard you've tried here. Listen, I may have made a mistake with the confession. Yeah, if, I, if I'm the prosecution, if I so, definitely uh, make the deal at this point. Especially if you're Helen. Cover your ass. Well, it's not in Helen's hands now. Mm. It's in the federal hands. Right. I think Helen would take it in a heartbeat. Yeah, the feds... All rise. They have less at stake. Because it's somebody else's fuck-up. Be seated. Maybe I'm too invested in the, in the like the fiction, or maybe I'm just a straight up dumb dumb. But everybody, Phoenix at all, always seem to kind of know that what's going to happen, and I never do. So seldom do I have like you, a firm. You guessed it exactly right last week. Yeah, but that's just like random before the episode. By the time we get to like when the judge is about to rule, even though I know ninety nine percent of the time we win the case, I'm always still teetered because they've thrown well, us a curveball enough times. That it's good TV. Yeah. It's almost like it's a good show or something. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> like worth two years of my life. <laughs> in making these determinations, the test is mainly objective. It has to be. Yeah. Constitutional rights can't be customized depending on the intelligence of a suspect. We apply a reasonable man test. Here, the reasonable man quite likely wouldn't have felt coerced by Ms. Gamble's conduct. Interesting. The reasonable man quite likely wouldn't have thought that Governor Salucci was waiting in the wings or that the death penalty was about to pass into legislation. But the test has a modicum of subjectivity. Most criminals are stupid. <laughs> While I'm loath to start giving them special protection for the very lapses of judgment which factor into their decisions to commit crimes in the first place, the bottom line is we have to decide on a case-by-case -case basis. Was the confession made voluntarily? To really know, we would have to get inside Mr. Larson's roomy skull, which we really can't do. <laughs> <laughs> Based on what I've heard in this room... Did you just say you have a big head? I feel Mr. Larson was, in fact, coerced. And I'm suppressing the confession. I therefore also dismiss the case without prejudice. And the defendant is free to go. So this guy got away with murder. Sure did. Because of what Helen did. Again. Not only are we going to retcon the redemption of Helen, we're going to fucking derail it into the ground. Yeah, Thank well, you. she didn't kill anybody directly this time. Will I be arrested anymore? I don't think so. But you might want to, like, not hijack some cars for a little while. Maybe just cool it with a carjacking for just a hair. Yeah. We'll see you. Okay, thanks. There's that sad piano, baby. There it is. Great, 
great slow walk. Vamp it, baby. Keep vamping. Slow walk. Wow. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, there you go. Season 5, episode 18. Yeah, she was a gloomy one. And we will see you back at the oopsies. And we are back, baby. Back, 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 back. Okay, guys, hold on. We we have an impromptu emergency. Filings and subpoenas. Filings oh. and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Filings and subpoenas. Okay, guys, we have gotten our long-awaited message from Jorge, founding sponsor. Jorge Novoa, and I, neither one of us, have watched this. So, with no setup, with no context, let's see what Jorge did. A at least rough estimation of how many times we've Plan B'd on the practice. Why not Plan B them? Should we Plan B them now? Plan B. What's Plan B? Where were you the night Mark Hansen was murdered? It might be worth a try. Give them a soft Plan B. What's Plan B? Soft for both. You think I should have gone harder? Counselor, should kill All right, but first, we have to be sure it won't backfire. Interesting strategy in there, Plan B, right? Last time we did this, we got sued. Maybe we could Plan B her. What the hell is Plan B? It's Plan B time! <laughs> Basically, it we point the finger at other people. So, my sister and I weren't too close lately. Well, why was that? You're shitting me. You didn't know she'd gone to a motel with Mr. Vogelman? How would I have known that? Well, you'd know if you'd followed her. And when you say soft. What? Our soft plan B is we do it more gently. Anybody with you the night of your sister's murder, Steve? Instead of accusing, oh it's God. more like what ifing. Did you murder your sister in frame, George Vogelman? Right. What action? It's very dangerous. <laughs> you garbage. <laughs> we find the defendant, George Vogelman, not guilty. Not guilty. I am directing a verdict of not guilty. <laughs> I would say the over-under is like 10, and I'd yeah, take the over. Lot. So Keith says 10, and Mike says, insert answer now. Uh, Obviously, the trial eight. against George Vogelman was one, and number two Look, is... Look, we can't get out of Evelyn's trial now. We've already started it. We can't not go after the father. That's our defense. You didn't hit your son, Mr. Barlow? Objection. I certainly did not. I'm talking about Henry's wife. I know Allison. And she and was you never... You knew Henry and you didn't know he was cheating on his wife with a cockroach. We got her run it by the client. And he'd say, no, no Jimmy, I'm not going to let you point the finger at her. How do I know you won't like plan B me? I don't intend to plan B you, Anthony. I just want your computer expertise. You threatened to kill Stacey Kingman, didn't you? Three, here we go. Which, believe it or not, brings us back to... Wow. Where were you the night what? your daughter was murdered? What's the threat of Plan B has been more... Of the murder, Mrs. Littlefield. They, Excuse what? Me. So if you guessed four, you'd still be wrong. Because the first Plan B... Doctor, where were you the night Mark Hansen was murdered? Home. Counselor, killer! Objection! Do you believe he committed the murder? We don't know for a fact he didn't. Do you think oh, he did golly. it? And to answer no. your... And yet you can attack him in open court, accusing him of being a murderer. All you need is reasonable doubt. You basically offered a lie into evidence. That is not lawyering in the real world, Bobby. That is what lawyers like you claim, to rationalize what you are. You know what I am? You're disgusting. And the only reason we don't really consider it Plan B was because um, it didn't end very well. Knock her out. Stop death. Oh, right. Time to put the 
<laughs> oh shit, I forgot about that. I was not ready for that. <laughs> Copyright. Mike and Keith. 2021. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my god. Slow clap and oh my god. We asked for a supercut and Jorge delivered. My lord. I can't believe the work you put into that. That is that is by far the most professional thing that has ever been on this podcast. <laughs> like between ever. between that supercut, the the calculations he does for us, Phoenix uh basically engaging an entire chat on YouTube and sending in audio here and there, which is fully produced as well. I mean, we really we as we said before, I'll say it again, it, what we lack in quantity, we definitely get back in quality. So thank you. Oh. So four. My so, lord. So the impending threat of the plan B is much more prevalent than the wow. actual plan being, it seems. Jorge, holy moly. I that that was extraordinary. Yeah. That that was so much work. Thank you so much for that. That was so fun. Jesus. Wow. 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 Wow, indeed. That's all I have to say about that. That was a hundred percent worth the wait. Uh, and uh, with your permission, we definitely want to throw that up on the uh, on the Instagram feed because that's uh, amazing, awesome. All right, thank you, Jorge. Wow, I'm flabbergasted. Uh, oh, oh, right, we're doing a show. Okay, let. <laughs> wow. All right, it is time for everyone's now second favorite segment today, and that is. Mike has thirty seconds to remember what just happened on the show. Well, you know, we see uh, Ellen Jaws of Life, some uh, Helen's Jaws of Life, somebody out of a car, but she witnesses it, and there's a kid, and the kid might end up marinate, but have been a great actor, but he's like, where's mommy, where's mommy? And then, you know, she's like, yo, G-Dub wants to kill you, and he's like, I confess, but then Jimmy's like, yo, you lied, you B, he's not guilty, and the judge was like, yes, I agree, Kittleson was like, mm, Jimmy, and then they went to federal court, and they're like, we rearrest you, and then Jimmy was like, yo, she lied to me, B, and then they're like, yeah, you're right, and so he goes off free, and Helen's like, oh, damn, I fucked up. <laughs> that might have been your best work. You think so? I think I, I think Jorge raised the bar, right? And you're like, I better bring it on 30 seconds. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Well, uh, guys, it is now time to hand out some awards for the practice season five, episode 18, the confession. And it looks like this. Ladies and gentlemen, the Out of Practice Podcast, in unofficial, unsolicited, unfactual association with David E. Kelly Productions, proudly present... Oopsie! The Oopsies! Celebrating excellence in acting good, lawyering good, guesting good, and being Tom Brady. Not to mention, this is where we rate the episode and stuff. Now... Here are your hosts, Keith and Mike. What the hell are the oopsies? Well, Jackie, they're a fake awards show that begins every week with... Most Valuable! Uh, yeah, it sure does. Listen, um... <laughs> I mean, 
Eugene gave a great close here, but Jimmy, Jimmy was the one who was able to sort of like channel his interpersonal rage, but also harness it and use it as well as some legal uh, justification and some great, some just great courtroom work by everyone this week. But I think uh, I think it's uh, the grunt, Jimmy Berluti. Yeah, I I think Jimmy did a tremendous job, and I think uh, is well deserving of it. But I think, uh, just for the sake of sakes, I'm going to go splitsy with you and okay. give my half to Eugene. And I'll, and for one specific moment, and that was the moment when they were in chambers with the federal judge, and the federal judge shut down their initial reason for making the motion. And he was able to call an audible on the fly and switch from... Uh, her lying to the to Jimmy to the coercion element and just like literally on the fly completely change the grounds of their appeal in that situation mm. and uh, and be able to to bring it home. So uh, congratulations to Jimmy and Eugene for your splitsy of most valuable lawyer. Okay, guys, it's time. Has everyone stretched? Already famous cause you've been on TV Getting a paycheck the first entry on your IMDb Way to go But you're the best guest actor You are the best guest actor You are the best guest actor on the episode <sighs> I'll never tire of how stupid that is <laughs> It'll never stop being stupid, I'll tell you that much. So talk about, you know, sometimes we really raise the roof when there are like huge names that come in. But there are episodes like this where there are just a multitude of guest actors, uh, some really famous, some not as famous, just killing it. I mean, we had yeah. Emmy Award winner uh, 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 Judge Kittleson. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> we had a ton. Uh, Jaco was great. Um Oh my God, what's Kittleson's name? Why am I forgetting? I'm not helping you. She won an Emmy. Yeah, she did. Um, <laughs> Holland Taylor is excellent. There it is. There uh, it is. The the sister was amazing. What was her name? Uh, Arabella Field. Arabella Field. Uh, the perp was great. He was put in a Jeff different Cahill. position. Yep. The, and I, oh, I'm missing some. Oh, uh, the judge, the federal judge, John both Elbert, judges yeah. were great. I mean, yeah, this really yeah. was an excellent uh, ensemble episode for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have to, real quick, I saw Jaco in uh, a play called The Pillow Man, mm -hmm. which was about interrogation, basically. And he was so terrifying in that role that every time I see him on screen now, I'm, I'm petrified of him. And I just, he didn't even go to have to stretch his muscles for this episode. No. He's just, just so great as a character actor, as, as he just embodied, and he was only in that, man, but you know what? I have to talk myself out of it. Superseding two Emmy Award winning actors who are in this episode as guest actors, I think I thought the sister's performance being torn uh, and and that 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 uh, hallway scene with the father and with Helen, I'm always a sucker for that. So I, I think I'm going to give it to... Arabella Field. Ara Arabella Field. I hope we can find how That's to tag so her. 
Interesting. I, I I thought she was great. She just didn't have enough to do in in my opinion. I mean, quality honestly, over quantity like, for me, baby. I, I I think you're entirely right about like everybody. Everybody was good. Um, but I'm going to go with Jeff Cahill. I thought he was oh, he, he was, was given a really too, difficult yeah. um, position because you're playing a like a dumb dumb who did the thing who feels bad about trying to protect them. Like there, there's a, there's a lot of layers going on there and he was able to really connect emotionally with what was happening. And I thought he did an excellent job. So, uh, congratulations, Jeff Cahill and Arabella field. I'd give you your claps if I can find my soundboard. There we go. Okay. Coming up next. You killed your podiatrist or blew the case, but you let a single tear run down your face. You're the best actor on the show. Helen? Helen. You know what I mean? Lara Flynn, she, Lara she did, Flynn. She did full-on Heloning, yeah. But um, I got to tell you, in, in, in the scene where Berludi, uh, where, in the scene where uh, Michael Badalico is uh, in, acting with Lara Flynn on the stand, and yeah. it's both a tete-a-tete legally, but also personally, I mm-hmm. just couldn't get enough of it. I could have watched that all day. Um, they are both so excellent that I hope we do a split ski, but if not, I think that it's a little bit more Jimmy, and I, I just thought his, the layers he put upon layers in that scene alone, set aside excellent work in the rest of the episode, are just so wonderful. I Emmy Award winner as well. Uh, yep. I, I just, look, they took the what he took as like a comedic character mm. in the beginning and has developed Jimmy into you know all flaw, flaws included you know they haven't written yep. him uh, as a perfect character you know there's so many dimensions and so much of that is just because of what Michael Badalucco has brought to it that uh, this is another reminder of how great he is and and he gets my oopsie. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on everything you said about Michael. I, I, I do have to say though, I think it's Lara Flynn's episode. Great. I think, um, you know, she was, she had a really tough lift here, because what Helen did was so objectively reckless and stupid, <laughs> and the character of Helen is not written as stupid or foolish. It's, it's not stupid. It's foolish. Because it was actually, she's very smart in the way that she did it. It was just reckless and foolish as a result that the actress had to show us with the emotional connection to what happened, justify the recklessness of Helen's behavior in the situation. And I thought that they really did. I mean, and they they reference it in the script, but most of the work has to be on Lara Flynn's shoulders to emotionally justify why this character would make that decision. And I think she really did. And I thought, um, you know, without 
overdoing it because Helen is not somebody who is going to be spitting tears and having this big breakdown over the situation. So she had to hold all of that back and yet still show us that this character was feeling that. And so as a result, I thought she gave a really, really good performance uh, in this episode. So uh, so here we go. Splitsies, Michael Badalucco, and Lara Flynn Boyle. Which brings us to su future Super Bowl participant and uh, was portrayed on Saturday Night Live last night. Here it is. The Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady. And I love that he was called out for being a MAGA weird asshole on yeah. Saturday Night Live. I loved it. That whole sketch, the whole way they portrayed him was actually really, really good. Last week's Tom Brady Award for being Tom Brady is right here. Yeah, um, you did it yourself. I did. That's him sitting in some old Tupperware. Uh, and uh, yeah, Tom Brady included. So yes. Um, this week, Keith, I passed back over the Photoshopping to you for... Uh, Tom Brady's uniform caught in the trunk of a car as it speeds away, Tom Brady. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> Tom well, Brady's uniform caught, trapped in the trunk of a car, Tom Brady? <laughs> as, it as it speeds as away. As it speeds away. As it speeds away. Oh, I can need uh, a different I'll font. Let you, I'll, I'll let you work with that. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks so much. <laughs> All right, here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time to announce how many spare tires this episode gets. Not to belabor the point, but uh, I thought it was an excellent episode. Uh, I love, I've said it many times, we don't need a supercut, but we would accept one. Uh, I love the single case episodes. And especially, mm. now sometimes I'll even say that uh, when they choose to make it more about the the issue of the case rather than the case itself. Sometimes they go a little too heavy handed, but this week I don't believe so. We really took a close look at not just the legal ethics, but also as at the how the uh, state constitution and federal constitution differed at this point in time with the issue at hand. We really, and, and not only that, but we executed the analysis with a fairly even hand on both sides as well as already getting the guilt of the character out, out front so that it isn't ambiguous. And so it's really about focusing on uh, the issue at hand, the legal ethics of the prosecution in this state, which, or in this case, which isn't, generally we're looking at the defense attorney. So I thought it was an interesting look at an interesting issue from an interesting perspective. And then you add on top of the elements with, with the, that questionable B-roll uh, aside, you add the elements of excellent acting from our main cast. I mean, just just excellent acting, as well as a layer of incredible acting from every one of our guest actors, from top to bottom, of which there were many. Yeah. We got some inter-office stuff, brief, we, you know, everybody appeared briefly, but it wasn't really about them. And I just thought it was, um, I just thought it was excellent. And uh, I'm looking, sorry, for my skins here. I want to bring you back into this, Keith. Well, well thank you. Oh, boy. I knew Every I was going to do it. Every week. I knew week. I was going to do it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I thought, you thought you escaped. I, I thought it was a great episode. I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm still thinking about it, actually. Um, but also, because I'm into the soap opera of it as well, I'm like, where are we going with Helen now? Like, 
is every how are our relate how are her and Jimmy going to get along going forward? Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I want to give it eight point two eight spare tires. Yeah, I, I mean I agree with everything you just said. I always do. This, Keith. You always do. I, I always do. I well, you know, because I'm an agreeable guy. <laughs> I'm not an agreeable guy. Uh, I really, really like this episode. Um, and it falls into the category of the type of episode that I like. As, as you articulated, A, it's a single story episode. B, it is a an issue episode. An issue episode about the legal system. And it's pointing out a, uh, a flaw in the system or at least an opportunity for injustice that has been exploited um, by, in this case, the prosecution and the, the prosecuting side. And I really I really like that type of episode. I also really like when you have a good issue episode in which both sides are articulated really well. And this wasn't dumbed down for the audience. This wasn't, the, the arguments weren't dumbed down or simplified or undercut by some sort of... Um, cheap emotional ploy, it really all made sense. And as we unraveled the onion, and this this case really is unraveling an onion because there were multiple grounds for appeal. You had multiple levels of uh, court appeal systems. You had multiple jurisdictions going on. You had state, you had federal, you had a whole, so many different layers of the onion and all of the A to B to C to D to E to F It all made sense and was well articulated and all the the pieces back and forth it was just so well constructed as a as an episode of television that did made no compromises for the audience you know in a lot of ways especially lately the practice has made a lot of compromises for sensationalism or excitement or whatever going in for ratings or whatever this is an episode that is at the level, at the highest level of its work in that it's not dumbed down for anybody. It really is, we have something to say here, we have something to explore here. It's not going to be the exciting, sensational Bobby McRambo episode. It's here for your mind. <laughs> and it's here for you to think and, and absorb and really come from. And I really like that. This is why I like the practice. This type of episode is why I like the practice. I'm not here for Bobby hanging somebody out a window or a baby in a courtroom. I'm here for this. Uh, and you're what you said about all the performances, you're 100% right. Everyone is great. There, just the only thing that tarnishes this up, it doesn't tarnish. The, the only like nitpicky things is that there were some weird mistakes, mm-hmm. like um, directorial mistakes. Like it's really more like DP mistakes. You know, the the flicker on the screen and the wine glass inconsistency in the background, like just weird, stupid stuff that doesn't make any that doesn't matter, especially in this type of net. It doesn't matter. But it is the type of mistakes that you don't usually see on this show. But I don't care. I'm not gonna dock the episode for those little nitpicky things. Whatever. They screwed up the screen, the refresh rate. Who cares? I really like this episode. I was so excited to see it again. It makes me think. I like it. It gets a 9.16 spare tires. Wow, that's really going like to be in the running at the end of the year. Yes, it is. 
I like this type of episode. All right. So, all right. Now it's time to reveal the Easter egg. Don't forget. Oh, yeah. Not not, not a particularly difficult one. Nope. And I'll show you. There are uh, G-Dubs. Because, uh, yeah, yeah. Our, our buddy Dubs. He uh, gets name-checked about 14 times in this episode. Because it's topical, baby. Yeah, baby. Yeah. All right, folks, you have gotten through another episode of the Out of Practice podcast. If you would like to reach out to us, you can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Out of Practice Podcast. You can email us at outofpracticepodcast at gmail.com. And while I'm doing it, let me give a second thank you to Jorge for that amazing, well-edited, incredibly done video. If you would like to rate what Jorge did, because you probably like it better than what we did, you can join the jury by uh, leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or a service of your choice. This episode is brought to you by generous donations from Leanne Wright's Cloud Lover 69, of course, Jorge Navoa and Jennifer Masanova. Hey, you know, you can actually join them by sending a one-time donation or a monthly contribution. Thank you for those who have just added their names to that list. Hopefully one of you will do so. You can do so by clicking the links I will leave in the show notes. Additionally, in the show notes, Keith, we pimped your book last week. Yeah. Founding sponsor Leanne Wrights released her book this week. So what? we we will put that in the show notes as well. You can buy Keith's book. Oh, we'll talk book. about that next episode. Yeah, you can buy her book. Let's buy everybody's book. Uh, get, donate freely. And Keith, I want you to know, as well as all of our listeners, that George W. Bush is standing right outside the door. And if you don't donate to the podcast, he will shoot you with laser sounds. I'll shoot you laser sounds. Laser sounds. Bye. <laughs>